You are listening to the Torah Sparks Podcast, the podcast that finds and ignites sparks of spiritual light and meaning in anything and everything, bringing out lessons and values straight from the Holy Torah. I am your host, Ori Strum. Let's jump right in. Guess what? It's that time of week. We are back with another episode of the Torah Sparks Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. Um, just as a kind of like an intro, this week's Parsha is Matos Mase. It's a double header, double whammy, double trouble. We got two mitzvahs in Parsha's Matos, 112 psukim. 1,484 words, 5,652 letters, and Parshas Masse, six mitzvos, 132 verses, 1,461 words, and 5,773 letters. Thank you very much, Torah Tots, for those tidbits of Torah information. Um, the title of this week's podcast is Mr. Macho, and I want you to close your eyes. If you're driving, please, please, I pray and I beg that you keep your eyes open, and just imagine the following. You're, you're, you are, you're a tall, strong, and confident man. People call you Mr. Macho. When an annoying fruit fly needs to be disposed of, you stare at it. Just like that, and it dies. When you go fishing, you use your index finger as a hook. When you write with a lead pencil, you always break the point. When you put away your contacts, you don't use that regular lens solution. You use sriracha sauce as the lens solution. I'm saying, like, you know, if you were to sum up yourself as Mr. Macho, I think these would be a couple of examples that kind of sets you sets you apart. But still, despite all of this... Maybe in spite of, I'm not sure. But despite all of all of these great qualities that make you Mr. Macho, when you sit in your dark house at night and you hear a tiny creaking noise coming from the other room, you shriek like a little girl. And this phenomenon you find you find all over the place. And and I just. I beg if you have an explanation um, for this this strange phenomenon for Mr. Macho, how how he all of a sudden shrieks like little girl when he hears like a little creaking. Can you can somebody be, please explain it to me? So I actually was searching around about this and I found a fascinating article from Psychology Today, and they they say like this: they say research they say research has consistently shown that we need more personal space while seated than while standing. More space when we are in the corner of a room rather than in the center of it. And more space in rooms with low ceilings. We feel uncomfortable when our personal space is violated anywhere. But especially so in situations where we feel as if escape will become difficult. Such feelings of discomfort are symptomatic of the fact that we are constantly, even if unconsciously, scanning our surroundings and assessing our ability to flee if it should become necessary. When you hear a creaking noise in your house, your body activates something in science, in psychology, it's called hypervigilance. Hypervigilance is a state of increased alertness. If you're in a state of hypervigilance, you're extremely sensitive to your surroundings. It can make you feel like you're alert to 
hidden dangers, whether from other people or the environment. And oftentimes these dangers are not real, right? If you think about it, Hashem created the human being in such a magnificent way. Humans are programmed to be extremely alert beings. We have this regard for hypervigilance. And whether or not we're experiencing a false alarm, right? Like the creak in a house is a great example of that because it's just a generic house noise. It's not a monster, right? Why are you hyperventilating? Why are you um, sweating? Why are you becoming all frightened when you hear that creak? You, you think there's a monster? If you, There's not actually a monster in the other room, but it's this hypervigilance that that's cre- it keeps us on our toes. It keeps us extra alert. It makes us extra sur- sensitive to our surroundings. <sighs> The Jewish people, when they traveled from Mitzrayim, from Egypt to Eretz Yisrael, to Israel, it wasn't a smooth one-trip journey. It was a combination of several journeys. In fact, how many Masos were they? There were 42, to be exact. By the way, just a shameless plug for my book. There's 42 um, sections, 42 chapters. Uh, Maybe it's not a coincidence. Um, Anyway, so it, right, the the Jewish people's travel through the desert, through the through the through the midbar, it was forty two journeys to be exact, and ultimately it led to their arrival in Eretz Yisrael. Ilamase b'nei Yisrael. These are the journeys of the children of Israel, the Jewish people. At every step of the way, the Jewish people traveled only al pi Hashem, al pi Hashem Yachanu, al pi Hashem Yiso, by the word. Of God, when Hashem decided that it was time to pick up and carry on journeying through the desert, that was when the Jewish people picked up and carried on through the through the desert. At times, it was unexpected. At times, perhaps inconvenient. Hashem, seriously, we're leaving now. I mean, we just arrived here like yesterday. Remember, like we literally just unpacked. Like I just did my laundry. Like. Wait, seriously, I, I, the sand dunes right here outside my tent window are looking fresh as the hills. I mean, why, why are we leaving so soon? Why are we leaving so sudden? I, I'm still waiting for this food in the freezer to, you know, to 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 freeze. Uh, uh, the, 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 the yogurt's going to go back. Hashem, seriously, the Jewish people always had to be on their toes in the midbar, ready to journey at any given moment. In reality... This idea is true not just regarding the Jewish people in the Midbar, but in our very own lives as well. Nothing in life is a given. What we have today may not belong to us tomorrow. Where we are today may not be where we are tomorrow. The only thing in life that is a given is that Hashem is taking care of us. And if He says it's time to journey, then we must pick up and go. We don't know when Hashem will tell us this, but we must always be ready to move on, right? And taking this idea of the physical hypervigilance, there's a certain level of spiritual hypervigilance. The idea that we have to remain acute and alert to the world around us. We, We must be extremely sensitive to our surroundings and be ready to journey at any given moment. Of course, sometimes the noises we hear uh, they, they might be false alarms, like that creaking house noise, but, but we must still be on our toes. We have to maintain that alertness to be on our toes, ready to make a move when it's needed most. 
And one of my teachers used to famously say, he said, stay alert, stay alive. It might save your life one day. And, you know, this is a, it, it, you know, we used to make fun of that teacher. Obviously not me. We used to make fun of this teacher, obviously. But anyways, we used to make fun of this teacher. And Lemaisa, he, he, has, he has a really good point. There's this idea of being hypervigilant, and, and if, especially from a spiritual standpoint. Being hyper vigilant, always on our toes. The Itzahar, you know, we were talking about this whole time from a perspective of, you know, ready to move on and 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 journey. When Hashem says it's time to go, it's time to move on. But from a perspective also of of the Yitzhahar, of the evil inclination, and He's always trying to get us slip up here and and falter there and 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 whatever all of his tax tactics that he tries to do we have to have this spiritual hypervigilance where we're constantly on our toes uh, like my teacher said stay alert stay alive it might save your life one day and especially now i think now more than ever we must pay attention to these noises that are creaking louder and louder in the crazy world that we live in we must strive to remain alert focused and connected to hashem at all times and let us be ready so that when Hashem finally says the ultimate, it's time to journey, my children. It's time. It's time. The gullus is over. It's time for Geula. It's time to journey. Then we'll be ready. We'll be on our toes, ecstatic to jump on the wings of the eagles and witness the rebuilding of the third Beis Hamikdash, of the third temple. May it be soon. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Torah Sparks podcast. If you enjoy this content, please rate, please review. And with that, I hope you have a fantastic rest of your week.